Hi, this is Design Lota, the podcast about life as Indian designers. I'm Sushi and I'm Angie. We're back with part 2 of our conversation with book designer Ragini Siruguri. If you are listening to Design Lota for the first time, you might want to check out part 1 of this conversation and all the rest of the episodes if you're up for the binge. <laughs> and for our seasoned listeners, you might have noticed our brand new music for Design Lota since the last episode. That was composed by Shankar Narayan, who's also an Indian designer like us, and he's also a sarod and guitar musician. Thank you, Shankar, for this musical rebrand. And now on to the rest of our chat with Ragini. So, uh, if we look at your work and even your photography, mm-hmm. uh, you use a lot of vibrant colors yes. and interesting frames, right? Yeah. Uh, what what inspires you to uh, you know? uh capture that element and use it in your work as well ah so i i really can't pinpoint a time when this started uh okay. the fascination for colors has always been there ever since i can remember but it's only very recently that i started documenting it um so i think what happened when i think about it now and try to find some correlation i think studying graphic design and working as a designer has influenced the way i i take pictures because mm-hmm. um and i've been told this a lot that all my pictures have all these perfect alignments like you'll find <laughs> grids in my pictures <laughs> and right, uh, and right. i think yeah i am fascinated by by um geometry and and how shapes and color interact with each other or um, symmetry especially i really love symmet- symmetrical uh, things especially when you see them by accident on on streets mm-hmm. um and i think this is definitely because of the design projects that i've done over the years um, okay okay and the vibrant colors thing actually chennai has really helped build my instagram feed i have to say <laughs> because and, okay. and i'm sure you've noticed like you you're walking down this these streets and then you will suddenly see this bright pink building and yeah, it will be combined yeah. with a fluorescent green and then the yeah. building behind that will be purple <laughs> yeah so i mean i call them like ice cream or cake yeah, houses absolutely. like you know <laughs> so i mean when i when i first started noticing this and i started wondering about how these decisions are made like who is this person with this with this fearless yeah. sense of color and he's yeah. just going for it you know it's like yes i, I will know. just splash all this color everywhere <laughs> yeah so yeah but without uh, care of how it's going to look right. <laughs> next to next to the other house but you've got to admire them thing. they're just yeah. amazing yeah. they're so unapologetic yeah. yeah but i've actually tried to make sense of it because i asked some people mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. this architect told me that it's because paint companies sell these wacky colors at a lesser price Uh, okay. so yeah and the more subdued colors are they cost more mm-hmm. but i feel like this is a very boring explanation <laughs> so, okay i really don't want to apply logic here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> having been in chennai for 3 years i have built up a lot of photos of of uh, colors and shapes and geometry mm-hmm. so i mm-hmm. finally after procrastinating for many years <laughs> i decided that i have to do something about it Uh, mm-hmm. so I, i've been thinking about uh, doing a photo zine okay um, and there's a document in my in my folders it's there's an indesign document ready for print it just has okay. not gone wow. to the printer <laughs> 
So this actually, yeah, this idea, uh, I was inspired by um, a photographer that I met through Tara Books. Uh, mm-hmm. He's based in Thailand and he's also okay. a designer. And I think uh, he's one one person whose aesthetic I, I really relate to. Mm-hmm. So um, on Instagram, you will find him as uh, Aperture Brought Me Here. And okay. he does okay. these wonderful zines with his photographs. And mm-hmm. what is really admirable is how he kind of brings these photos into a certain narrative and he kind of tells a story with these photos. Um, mm-hmm. So I think after seeing his work, I, I, I realized that I, I should be doing something with all the photos I've been collecting. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm working mm-hmm. on a zine about the neighborhood that I live in, in Thiruvanmir. Okay. Um, so every morning I go out um, and I've built up a collection of photos that have been taken between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Uh, okay. have like a mock-up of a zine ready but I just have to find the motivation to finish it okay yeah. okay that's nice so you just go for long walks and how do you uh, not uh, really I do I do things like vegetable shopping and or I go to okay. the beach and then on the way I find a lot of interesting uh, mm-hmm. compositions like what I what I like is that these are all accidental compositions Mm-hmm. Like you find the most ordinary of objects uh, and there'll be this very aesthetic arrangement, which is not intentional. Like someone would have kept a broom against a gate and yeah. someone else would have kept like a pot next to it. And somehow all these, the, the colors of all these objects would be very harmonious together. Yeah. And I think yeah. the temporariness of that composition and mm-hmm. the joy in capturing it yeah. that's what's really fascinating to me because I think if I if I had gone 10 minutes later maybe it would not have been there yeah 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 <laughs> so interesting <laughs> yeah so hopefully so, uh soon enough you will see a zine on my Instagram feed oh really cool <laughs> yeah you're also involved in a project I saw called Swatch Bharat yeah. right mm-hmm. Uh, what's that all about so Swatch Bharat is a project that was created by a very good friend from college uh, his name is Kaval Oberoi and okay. he's always up to some really cool stuff and I think this project has been my personal favorite um, and actually on his website he says that this project was born out of fear and frustration uh, okay <laughs> and this was uh, because uh, uh, I mean it was mostly a fear of uh, how I think as as a culture, we are slowly losing out on an Indian aesthetic because it's mm. being very uh, quickly replaced by a Western aesthetic. Uh, so already, if you notice, like the the hand painted signages are now almost vanishing. Uh, yeah. Film yeah. posters have been long gone. The hand painted ones, mm. and I think Chennai has mm. had some really great ones. Yeah. And uh, what he also says is that there are a lot of stereotypical images that are slotted as quote unquote Indian. So you will mm-hmm. find like a like a, some like chai glasses, or you'll find turbans and mustaches, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. elephants, yeah. the color yeah. color magenta. <laughs> so I think yeah. the minute someone says Indian, there's there's this one set of uh, commonly used graphics yeah. that are kept that are recycled and reused over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I think he right. started this project to try and find a way of documenting this, and uh, mm-hmm. before they all disappear and create some kind of a resource for other designers to refer to and this is something like I personally relate to that style of photography and that style of documentation a lot so Mm. um, Mm. I I think my photos with all their color palettes kind of fit into what he was doing 
so i was mm. quite honored to contribute to this collection okay yeah. really interesting yeah it, it reminds me of a little assignment we had in in design school mm-hmm. that you know going to a place and trying to get the palette of that place right. like through the kind of being there and looking and observing right, right. and you know, uh, and over time you really see a pattern and like oh this place actually looks like this in terms of colors mm-hmm. and yes so very interesting yeah and and probably even if we start looking at forms we might see some patterns there as well yeah maybe. i know i think it's a very interesting assignment to do as designers yeah and i think you can find a lot of meanings and connections in that yeah so some of my favorite books uh, by tara are on popular art so there's one book called matchbook have you seen it i think i have yeah it it uh, slides out like a matchbox Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> and there's one very old book that is out of print it's called an ideal boy so both okay. these books kind of uh, so matchbook um, talks about matchboxes and the art that you find on matchboxes in india and mm-hmm. an ideal boy is a collection yeah an ideal boy is a collection of educational charts so uh, these i think mm, i've been very interested in these subjects when i started reading these books because mm-hmm. um the the project kind of the book kind of gives a context to where these images have come from uh mm. where they were made at what what kind of uh, in in what social context they were made in what political context they were made and it mm. kind of explains to you uh why something must have been done the way it was Hmm. so um reading these books and then yeah i think uh, last year i worked on another book on popular art but uh, this was about the mexican artist frida kahlo yeah so uh, the book was a collection of uh, souvenirs and um, memorabilia and objects that uh, people who were inspired by frida kahlo's work they had just made on their own so these people okay. were not artists themselves quote unquote artists they were not mm-hmm. professional artists but just regular people who really liked frida and admired her for the person she was mm-hmm. uh, so this book is called frida folk and it's a collection of all these wonderful objects in in various materials like there's objects made out of papier mache and wood and paper and all kinds of things mm-hmm. and uh, the author who is a german academic she kind of uh, Uh, wrote a set of essays to kind of uh, give a context to how these objects have come and whether it's whether is is this is this like do, can you call this appropriation or is it just mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. they were inspired to do right. uh, so reading that book i mean designing and then reading that book also kind of um, yeah. yeah i think i was i started becoming interested in visual culture uh after mm. all these uh, books and actually mm. I, i the the term visual culture is something i learned very recently it's not something mm. that i came across in design school at all right um right. but then i realized that i have all these questions that i was asking myself so i would i would go to these kirana stores and then there'd be this fun, wonderful local packaging with some tamil script on it and mm. uh, i i i started collecting all these labels i think designers have a tendency to do these things yeah <laughs> so i collected all these things and i was i was like okay so why did this person choose these two colors to put on this label like uh, what kind of constraints did they have did they have a printing process that allowed them to print only two colors is that why they chose it mm. um or were they given a brief and does it work like like you know um 
now in graphic design studios there's there's a client who gives you a brief and then you have to make three options and then present these three yeah. options <laughs> and they pick the worst they one pick the worst right. right. and then <laughs> so i mean i kept wondering so did this also work that way so what what influenced this the creator's mind um what mm. influenced his or her decisions yeah and then yeah. when i realized that all these questions are actually subjects of research and uh, so this was a time this was i think a year ago when i was i had this random thing of uh, doing my masters i haven't done my mm. masters yet so i said okay let's look at what i i might be interested in doing and then right. i realized that visual culture is something that i i found really fascinating mm. Uh, mm. but at the same time uh, I, i'm very lucky to be at tara because everyday conversations here revolve around these subjects a lot and yeah. it often feels like i'm getting an informal masters education here wow yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's quite it's very cool so you know looking at your instagram it's so full of interesting pictures and uh, very carefully you know uh, composed frames uh-huh. and you did mention that uh, one of the uh, people whose work inspires you is wes anderson so uh, can you talk a little bit about what you find interesting about uh, his work Ah yeah so I I really admire his aesthetic and uh, the way he kind of um, composes his his shots and the attention mm. to detail that he uh, that he pays to every every um, set or or every yeah. um frame. frame yeah Yeah, yeah so uh, each frame looks like it's something you can just frame exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. and it's it's i think it's one thing to do that in a photograph where it's just you and the composition but to do it in a film uh yeah. i think that's like some other level of uh, i mean i don't know i i really admire wes anderson uh, and yeah. i think it's just like a subconscious uh, influence um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i just i just i don't know i think i just want to be like him <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah um i actually follow this uh, instagram called accidentally wes anderson oh have my god that? yes i have <laughs> so uh, that, you know even i was reminded of that when i was looking at your work oh, also i didn't know you <laughs> yeah that's a great account actually it's it's beautiful yeah. the stuff they post yeah and actually what is cool is i don't think all of them are like uh, set up compositions i think some of them are completely just found by accident right Yeah. yeah and and i think it's user submitted also right right yeah i think just every day when you're walking around there's just a lot there's a lot of uh, aesthetic things around you it's just you just have to look at them i think they're just there but yeah. nobody yeah. looks at them mm. you you also you know mentioned that you're passionate about design education mm-hmm. uh do you think what do you think is missing in design education today mm-hmm. and uh Uh, and could be a great opportunity for mentors to probably focus on or uh, look at right um so design education is again something i've started thinking about after coming to tara uh, mm-hmm. because i think working on the projects here um it makes you kind of relearn what it means to be a designer so mm-hmm. in college i think my at least i'll speak for my the what i was taught it was a very very western centric um mm. curriculum uh they spoke mm. a lot about concepts from a western point of view and western ideas of art and design uh mm. but then coming here and working on books at tara where you have to work with uh, traditional artists you have to uh, work for a certain age you have to design for a certain age group 
And then there are all these things under the surface that you have to take into consideration as a designer. Mm. Because I realized yeah. that, yeah, as a designer, you're, it's not, you're not making this 2D surface look pretty, that it's, it doesn't end there. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, actually, so there was this book I bought a couple of years ago okay. called The Politics of Design. Have you read it? No, no, I haven't. Uh, um, so it's by this Amsterdam-based designer called Ruben Pater. Okay. Uh, not sure if I'm saying his name right. So what it talks about is uh, how design is always created in a certain context and you cannot separate design from that context. So you can't have a piece of design that is neutral and uh, whoever the designer is, you have to, I mean, we all have to realize that uh, design is culturally biased, you know. So uh, sometimes uh, when you design something and it fails to communicate, it's probably because we have made a lot of assumptions Mm. Um, so, so this book actually, uh, starts off. So the first page of the book has this really nice quote. It says, uh, you are privileged. Just reading mm. this sentence makes you part of the 85% of the world population that is literate and the 20% mm. that understands English. You've spent mm. around 15 euros on this book, which is a price only 20% of people can afford. If wow. you are reading an electronic version, you are among the 40% who have access to the internet. If you bought this book, you probably have a higher education, which is only available to a privileged few. So this, I mean, you open the book and this hits you and yeah. you're just yeah. questioning your entire <laughs> profession. So I, I think this was, I think every designer should read this book. So this uh, book also is a collection of visual examples that uh, help you realize how design is so interconnected with social, political uh, issues and that you cannot separate it. So, for example, I think one of the things it talks about is how the signage for parking, Mm -hmm. it's the letter P, right? Right. But you're making the assumption that everyone knows that that letter is P, yeah. yeah. But then take a country like India, for example, where every hundreds of kilometers, you have a different script, you have a different language. Uh, So then, then what? So I feel like this is something that that needs to be talked about how to design for the Indian context, uh, keeping in mind. Yeah, so I think this is what uh, needs to be kept in mind, like, how do you design for the Indian context for this particular culture? And because we are such a diverse culture, we have all these languages and scripts and so many interpretations of uh, certain symbols or or, uh, cultural links to images. So you can't generalize something like there's no one solution for everybody. And uh, what I find an exciting challenge for a designer is to find a solution uh, to a certain problem. And in spite of all these constraints that you have, how do you design something that communicates? So, yeah, so basically, so then this realization for me also happened uh, when I was working, I was freelancing with a design studio in Pune um, called Two Design. And we worked on on an identity design project for an NGO. So this yeah. NGO was called the Doctor Foundation and it was a recreational center and, and a clinic. Um, yeah. And it, was, it offered like subsidized uh, medical treatment and things like that. So what happened was the founder of the, of the NGO uh, came, to the, came to this design studio to have uh, uh, an identity designed. And she was very clear that she wanted a monogram. Yeah. Like she said, this logo has to be a monogram. 
and uh, so the monogram in this case would be t the letters t d and f okay um okay. so then we said okay fine if she wants a monogram we'll we'll design a monogram so we started doing it and uh, mm. she never liked any of the initial concepts uh so okay. then we started we, we thought like why are we why are we doing a monogram how does this make sense so we had to kind of pause and take a step mm. back and rationalize this whole thing and then we realized that uh, the the whole aspect i mean the most important aspect of this ngo was that it was for a certain section of the society that was probably illiterate in the city's vernacular language so right. if it was pune right. they are more likely to understand the devanagari script right and right. it was an assumption that they would uh, they would understand the latin script mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, also we realized that nowadays whenever there is a signage somewhere uh, the name of the company also has to be in the local script right so right. now if we made a monogram of tdf uh, mm-hmm. would there be like a most likely ugly uh hindi yeah. version of that somewhere yeah. on the side yeah. so yeah. Yeah. we realized that we were making this assumption that was a quite a wrong assumption to make so mm-hmm. so we kind of changed course for the identity and started working backwards so we started with a devnagari identity and then okay. Okay. came to uh doing a latin version mm. uh so yeah so this uh, yeah so we did this really nice blog post on medium about this project mm. uh which was mm. really fascinating so i think like okay. just thinking about these things i think this is something that every designer should be doing not blindly yeah. doing something because the client said so right yeah right. kind of looking at it from a uh, the context that the client is talking about and as well as the bigger picture of uh, yeah know, exactly uh, what the impact of that work is right right and i think as designers we have that responsibility and we just don't realize the intensity of it most often um so yeah speaking of speaking of design education i'm currently working on a project with own path uh mm-hmm. it's uh, basically we are trying to design a course uh, for beginners about visual communication design so okay. okay what we the idea is to introduce people to the basic concepts and principles uh, that dis- that are involved in in communication design and uh, i personally would like to make it uh, for the indian context uh, mm. because as i said it's it's not something i was taught and i feel it's necessary that it should be there looking forward to it okay mm-hmm. great great yeah so we like to sign off with you know some practical tips for <laughs> uh, students or things that you know you wish somebody would have told you when you started off your career right student. i mean i have just started off my career so i don't know what <laughs> i can offer <laughs> but <laughs> i think though um um reading reading would be a big big uh, was a big help to me just read mm-hmm. everything you can find and mm-hmm. uh, also also when you're designing something read what you're designing read mm-hmm. read the content uh please yeah. don't use lorem ipsum please <laughs> yes. um yeah because i feel when you know when you know the content and when you're yeah. uh, when you understand what you're designing then you design it much better yes uh, so yeah. i think that would be one the other would be uh think of question things uh hmm. design based them I mean, think about think about other things ap- apart from graphic design it's not something that happens on a surface level it's mm-hmm. 
your actions are going to uh, influence what the printer is going to do tomorrow with your with your work so think about the mm. printer first also uh, okay <laughs> yeah i mean what more can i say i'm not wise enough i think <laughs> <laughs> i think that's good and all your previous answers also awesome. definitely work as something everyone can learn from ragini where can people find you online and where do you put up your work um i'm still procrastinating over putting up my work but as of now okay. uh, most of the books that i have designed with tara books are on the website tarabooks.com Uh, okay. my photos i'm very active on instagram so um okay. my photos and my everyday stories are you'll find them on instagram okay. uh, yeah and on medium okay. actually i write, i write some blogs some blog posts okay. on medium i wanted you to tell your handle because it's interesting right oh yeah my handle is uh, yellow chameleon <laughs> okay. there is okay. no story behind that so <laughs> i'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> Uh, thank you so much ragini this has been really insightful and really fun yeah same so, here and thanks for having me one of the coolest things that i took away from this conversation is the significant role of a designer in bringing together different seemingly disconnected perspectives mm. like in the book origins of art i love how giving equal weightage to both perspectives creates a dialogue rather than talking down about a culture right Stories are better told when designers and storytellers elevate rather than appropriate traditions that inherently have art as a part of them. That's true. In my recent trip to Puri, I visited an artist village where Patichitra art is still practiced to capture both memories and imagination. We do have a rich visual culture all over India, both in rural and urban settings, right? Yes and as designers it's a great habit to look around and develop an eye for those postcard moments <laughs> that can inspire us. Hey listeners, what stories do you want us to tell? Tweet to us at designlota or DM us on Instagram. You can find the transcript and references for this episode on our blog designlota.com. Keep listening for more stories from Indian designers. Until next time, bye. bye.